Welcome to RPG Ramblings with Jeff Jones. This weekly show exploring the various details of the tabletop RPG hobby through discussions with interesting people. This week, Jacob Hurst of the Swordfish Islands joins me. We talk about the AI chatbot known as ChatGPT, and we also discuss Dungeon 23, the viral project for building a mega dungeon, one room each day. I do have a Patreon, and for the price of $1 a month, you too can join the ranks of the rambling elite making the multiverse safe for podcasting. This is the last show of the year, and what a crazy year it has been, on levels personal, professional, and everywhere in between. Life is a mixture of tragedies and triumphs, bitter and sweet, hot and cold, even in Australia. Grab your pens and planners, sisters and brothers. It is time to ramble. Hello, Jacob. Hello. Welcome back. Well, thanks for having me back. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, well, you're one of the few people left on Twitter that I... <laughs> soon, soon, I don't know. I swear all I do every day is I just lose followers. And I'm like, am I saying bad things? Or is this just people going away? Are bots being cleaned up? I don't even know what's happening anymore. So that's okay. I'm... Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. It's kind of like because there's fewer people, it's, it's, it's a... I don't know. It's it's not worse. It's not better. It's just it's just like I start seeing I think more of the same people. It's like the I guess the crowds thinned out, so it's more noticeable people you see all the time, which mm-hmm, is which mm-hmm. is fine. I guess Elon Musk is kind of making a a, a private place for just a few of us. <laughs> we'll see. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't I I don't even know. I'm just kind of like I, I think I've. I've been through enough social media platforms at this point that I'm like, I don't really want to start all over again, but uh, I'll just ride this one until it crashes and burns into the ground. Um, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But we'll see. We'll see. So I don't know. (laughs) There's still hope. I don't know. I I still can't get over it, but anyhow, Mm -hmm. enough enough airwaves about Elon um, (laughs) before he bans us like he does uh, exactly I guess i'm not a journalist so maybe i don't count i don't well, know. Just don't anymore. link your mastodon account and you'll be fine <laughs> don't even talk about linking your mastodon that's account. right that's right he just, he just zapped somebody i think it was a fellow um uh, investor uh whatever and he just mentioned that and got banned hmm. so much for free speech with elon well, musk i mean there is the part of it, though, that I do feel like I have seen a lot of people that have explicitly stated, like, I'm not going to have conversations on Twitter anymore. I'm just going to post links. And and I feel like I've seen a number of people kind of in the RPG circles that are like, I'm, I'm not going to be here anymore, but I'm going to continue to come here and sort of like make my blog posts and, and post about my, my book that I've written. And I guess I'm going to be like a horrible, like, stand for Elon or whatever right now. But I do kind of get potentially saying like listen if you're going to leave then leave um for what that's for what that's worth because i mean that is one of the things where it's like yeah i understand like trying to juggle like six social media platforms is really difficult to share all of your content but you know it just sucks because it's destroying the conversation you know well, across I, the board. and i think if 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 up to this point that, e, that everything that Elon did was rational, I would agree. <laughs> but the problem is you have a, a handful of people left. That's right. And those people might come back. But now you just alienated the people that were kind of on the margins. It's chaos. It is chaos. It's chaos. Beautiful <laughs> chaos. <laughs> well, at least we're still on there. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I don't, yeah. know, I don't know where else I would really want to go at this point, but you know, we'll figure, I'll figure it out. Back to yeah. the blog. Back yeah, to the blog. I'm sure in the future there's something, the AI universe will take us somewhere beautiful. Yes. I'm sure. Yes. Uh, but, but until then, I, I guess with all the craziness of the, the Elons and the AIs and everything else, uh, somebody brought up this idea of Dungeon 23. Yeah, Sean McCoy brought that up. I mean, I honestly, it's kind of nice that if this is the the twilight of Twitter, right? You know, it does seem to have had a really big that went viral. Um, you know, which is really cool. So, yeah, at least good things still have happened in the encroaching darkness, I guess. <laughs> well, and I say that, and, and that's where I kind of have some questions because I mm-hmm. I understand the basic premise, but I I kind of look at it with you know, tears slightly brimming on my eyes that I just realized, like, what I really like to do is I would like to do a mega dungeon, but mm-hmm. not in, a, in, like, the horizontal sense. What I would like to do is, uh, and I mentioned on the podcast before, is do the, um, uh, you're familiar with um, the Expedition to Barrier Peaks? Okay. But do layer, levels and each one mm-hmm. being its own dungeon. Okay. And, and then you can mix and match them in however way you wanted. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But sort of uh, plug them into the slot kind of thing. Like, and we'll put this dungeon level here and that dungeon level there. Or, yeah. So the yeah, one, yeah. one might be the level four residential area. Mm-hmm. The other one might be the engine room, but then okay. it would be all be themed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, that's not happening this year. <laughs> my, 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 uh, my uh, other ambitions have, have ruled over the, uh, my chance of, of doing anything fun like that. So, um, but anyway, so what exactly is Dungeon 23 and why are you doing it? Well, I'm doing it because it sounded fun. I mean, and then that's, of course, the thing, too, where it's like the, the it's always exciting at the beginning, but we'll see how everybody <laughs> does. You know, like we'll check back in March and see how many people are sticking with it. Right. Yeah. Um, and how many will or will anyone make it to, you know, will anyone do 365 days of dungeons? Um, but it was a very simple premise um, that, that Sean McCoy was basically like, okay, dungeon 23, uh, 365 rooms for a mega dungeon. There's 12 months in the year. Each month is a level of the dungeon. Uh, put it all in a notebook so it's all in one place and go. And and one of his, um, I think it was in one of the follow-ups. I don't think it was in the original thing. He was saying, you know, it's better to just say there's three orcs in a room, you know, with a chest than to leave the leave a day blank. Like the the, the objective is to just do a tiny little fragment right. every single day. Um, and even if it's an empty room, just write it's an empty room, and that's that's okay because again, it's a mega dungeon, so you know. 365 rooms, that's definitely totally fine for a number of them to be empty, you know, even a pretty good percentage of them. Well, I think um, the thing is, is the idea isn't that, I'm, I'm assuming, that at the end of the 365th day, uh, the dungeon's ready for publication. <laughs> oh, no, no. I don't, think it's, I don't think it's supposed to be ready for publication, but I think it should, I think ideally you should be able to maybe run it, hopefully, at least for your friends, right? Because, you know, yeah. you can write down, you can write down or I can write down like random like ravings on the back of a napkin. And I think I can run off of that sometimes. Um, but if I was to ever show it to anybody else, they would be like, I don't like, what even is this? Is this right. English? What, <laughs> what well, I think the thing is, is you, you need to keep the momentum. I think what he's saying yeah. is if you just say, Oh, I don't have anything today and you yeah. do nothing, 
you killed any potential momentum for the next day. Yep. Where, and I think the other thing too is like, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to probably be, you know, the best writing, but, but at least think something through and put something down knowing that, you know, you can always go back later on and edit it. Oh, definitely. Well, and I think for me too, like it, it actually worked out really nice for me. I guess maybe one of the reasons that I was like, oh, this sounds exciting is because a couple months or about a month ago or so, I just said, you know, I have like a list of like, here are some daily things I want to do every day. And one of them that I wrote down was like, I was like, I want to write a hundred words a day. Um, like, cause that sounds like a good thing. And then I started actually writing like a hundred words a day. And I was like, that's a paragraph. I'm doing nothing, but <laughs> but it's been because I'm I'm more of a you know like lock myself in a room for six hours and write and then you must suffer for your writing. Yes, I'm a binger and a purger, I guess. And so you know I'll have like three days of like I'm doing nothing but this, and then I just break for you know maybe five days. Um, and so I was like, no, I want to get a little more stable, and let's just do a hundred words a day. That seems like a good goal. It's a good number. Hundreds, nice and round. Um, so let's try it. But then, yeah, I started writing a hundred words in a day, and I was like, I feel like I'm not doing anything. And so then I ended up writing more, but then I didn't want to, you know, burn myself out. So that it's been a, it's been an interesting thing. So I kind of like this. Um, because one of the most important pieces of, of the Dungeon 23 thing for the idea is to put it all in a journal, put it all in a notebook. Um, so it's all in that one space. And so I think maybe having not necessarily a word count limitation for myself every day, but just having like a, uh, like a page, like there's page constraints, only so much can fit on, on one page. Um, and then I got a new, you know, it was, it was a nice excuse to buy a new journal, right? To buy, to buy a new notebook. I like my notebooks, um, obviously. And then, you know, here I, here I go out and I make this book called The World Builder's Notebook, which I really like, and it's good, and it would be perfect for this. And then I go and buy a different <laughs> notebook. Um, so to, to excuse myself, right? Like the whole thing is, is that uh, it's this, oh, I have it someplace else. Um, I can't remember the exact name of the notebook, but it's the one that, that Sean is using. And uh, it uses this fancy Japanese Tomoe, I think it is river paper that's supposed to be, it's very thin, it's very nice, it's very beautiful. Um, when I was actually doing the Kickstarter for the World Builder Notebook, I'm pretty sure Sean hit me up and was like, hey, so are you going to have this like, you know, river paper in your, in your World Builder's Notebook? And I was like, I, they don't offer it? I don't think so. He's like, it's amazing. You need to have it. Like, it's going to change your life. So Dungeon 23 rolls around. He recommends this notebook that has this life-changing paper in it. So I'm like, well, I'm going to try getting this life-changing paper and see. It's really nice. I will tell you that. Like, it's been a delight to write on a little bit so far. So we'll see. We'll see. Well, I think the thing too is, I mean, when you're doing a journal, you're, you're both kind of sketching out and writing. So mm -hmm. you want to put more energy into drawing little details in the map. You can do that. Or if you want to spend one day, you're feeling more a little wordy, you can yeah. be a little more wordy. Yeah. And there's extra pages in the back. So you can, if you're like, no, I have a great idea for a, a random table of something, you've got room for it. So that's really, really nice. Yeah. That's uh, and I think the, um, I think it really kind of breaks down the, um, uh, like an old saying, something's hard by the yard, but it's mm -hmm. a cinch by the inch. Yeah. The idea is that if you do things like you said with your hundred wondered words a day, it's just like once you break it down into small pieces and just and just maintain discipline, you can yeah. get a lot done. 
Yeah, I think George R. R. Martin has something along those lines about like you can't build a cathedral all at one time. And I mean, yeah, it's very it's very true. And if you're thinking like, oh my god, I have to build this huge cathedral, it it's definitely much harder. But if it's like, no, I'm going to do one room every single day, and it's going to be a short thing, and it doesn't have to be like this extravagant whatever. Um, yeah, assuming you can stick to it and be disciplined by the end of it, by even halfway through, you can turn around and be like, dude, like I have something really cool and and probably playable and testable at least. So that's the hope. It should be fun. So are you starting, like when are you actually starting this project? Um, I'm okay. I've, I've pre-gamed a little bit, but I'm not going to write any rooms until January the 1st. And so I've kind of been, I'm hoping, cause you know, it's one of those things like when you start the project, you're in love with the project. It's very exciting. And then, you know, maybe some of the luster wears off as you start actually like doing the work. Um, so I'm hoping that if I just like abstain for a little while and like keep, keep it conceptual and thinking about it, that then maybe that'll give me a little more oomph for a longer time as I write, but we'll see. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe I could have started now and it would be just fine, but yeah, I was like, no, I'm going to wait until January 1st. We're going to keep it 365 <laughs> days. Um, and and see how it goes but yeah it's, it's not dungeon 22 it's dungeon right exactly now like i said though i did i did do some pre-games because i think one of the things that's important for me is i wanted to i at least want to have a general idea of of who's in the dungeon um so i picked sort of like the big bad guy for the end if you will or like who's who's at the bottom of the dungeon that's causing a lot of the problems and then what are the general like layers going to be of it. Um, and so I've already kind of broken away from the prompt, which is supposed to be like 12 months of mega dungeon. And of course I'm like, no, no, I want a town and I want an overland area. So I'm going to do 10 months of mega dungeon, one month of town, one month of overland, or at least that's my goal. We'll, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> or you could do the town, the overland now, and then do I, the, uh... I could, but I'm like, no, I'm going to make that part of it. So. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think somebody was, I think, mentioning how even some people are, are what they call anti, um, that's what I'm looking for, authority, whatever, but there's people mm -hmm. have like rebelled against it and created their own little, little different versions of it. But Oh, yeah, no, there's, there's quite a few. There's one guy who's doing, um, he's straight up, well, because it's funny, because of course, like Sean is doing, you know, Mothership and sci-fi, and so then he's like Dungeon 23, which is, uh, it sounded like he was going to be taking like a high fantasy kind of approach. Um, and then there's another guy out there. What's his name? Um, on Twitter, it's Lost Archivist. He's done some really pretty like mothership um, modules. But he came out and he was like, he was going to do, he called it Facility 23 because he was going to go more like sci-fi yeah. um, and stuff. So, I mean, it's just, it lends itself very, very easily to kind of whatever you want to do. Because again, the point is write a little thing every day that's all, that can all go into one big cohesive whole. So at the end of the year, you can turn around and be like, whoa, look at all this cool stuff I did. Yeah. And it seems like a, a little bit more measured approach than say the, was it the, Wan, I can't say it, uh, when, when no Ramo or write a novel a month whatever that is oh yeah yeah where it's like that's kind of an intense month which i think in itself is is useful mm -hmm. um but yeah not that i've done it right <laughs> but conceptually, it seems like a great idea right right <laughs> that you you just put a lot of focus you just take a month and like you said to lock yourself in a room kind of thing mm -hmm. you can do that for 30 days but but i think this is kind of a a similar approach but a little more stretched out and i think mm -hmm. you know very practical 
Especially, I think, if you're just doing strictly, you know, Mega Dungeon, you know, it doesn't have to make sense. So it's not like you're having to create some sort of cohesion. Right. And and then you can do you can have a different theme every week. So, I mean, you can really go funhouse with it. It's like this week I'm going to just write about mushrooms and next week I'm going to write about, I don't know, crystals or whatever. Um, and then the next week I'm going to do the sewer level. And so you can really you can sort of bounce around, which is nice. Um, potentially, conceptually, we'll see how. <laughs> again. Well, I think, too, it's like, you know, probably for you and for a lot of people, um, I would assume for me if I was doing it, but I'm not. But it's, it, you know, it can also just be like a, I think anytime you're exercising your imagination, it's a good thing. And it could mm-hmm. generate ideas for things later on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You can definitely, or I think you should steal from yourself and steal your own ideas to use in other things that are maybe more, you know, the more polished final version. It's like, oh, I've, I was going to make a little zine of this thing. And then I actually just like, we got so far and then, well, I have just chopped it up and pulled all of its organs out and put them into this other, you know, monstrosity that I'm working on. Cause it makes more sense over there. Um, so yeah, I think something like this is a really good, a good thing for you're generating resources for yourself or creative resources for yourself, potentially. Um, is my thought. Yeah. And I guess the thing is, if you're doing themes, you could probably, and I think because, I mean, I think when we're working on projects for selling, you know, you're, you look at your time. I mean, we have limited time mm-hmm. and you're like, is, is this where I'm pursuing valuable as far as, you know, producing something that's, you know, useful for me in that realm where I think we're, you know, when you're doing what you're doing with the dungeon 23 or people are doing what you're doing, uh, you, you can just say, I'm going to be creative for, for the sake of being creative. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a good place to be, not just be stuck in, you know, whatever whatever it is project that you're in, trying to get done by the end of the month so that you can go to Kickstarter in two months, kind of right. thing. Right. Well, and also, I mean, it's good to have something like that that's just it's almost like a little exercise to do, where it's like, okay, so I'm stuck. I need to write. I know I need to write this thing, but like I just I'm not I'm not feeling it. I need to get started uh, with with something. Um, and so like that was one of the things for me that that I found like I never thought that I would be a uh like a public writer that I would enjoy going and like sitting in a coffee shop and writing like I never thought that I would like that and then I tried it one time and I was like I really like this because what I found was is that if I started getting stuck I would just start writing down what was happening around me and as I would just like describe what was going on around me it kind of like shook the rust off or whatever and then I would be able to get more rapidly back to what it is I was doing um as opposed to you know other other places where it's like oh let me go research on a a wikipedia article real quick and then you know four hours later i'm somewhere on youtube watching i don't know what but it there was a path that got there right (laughs) right and i i think too when you go away it's out of your normal space Mm -hmm. so those normal distractions are when i say normal i mean not just people but just right yeah. You're there to write. You're there to do something, not just scroll around on Facebook or go get yourself mm-hmm. uh, something out of the refrigerator or whatever it may be. Yeah, no, exactly. And so, and then having like a little prompt, like a Dungeon 23 is like a good way to just like, okay, I'm going to start with this and I'm going to do this little thing that I don't have to care about. You know, it's like, it doesn't matter if it's 
it doesn't have to be good. It doesn't have to be amazing. It doesn't have to be really tied into anything. It can just be what I'm thinking about today and I can incorporate what I'm thinking about today. So then that's also what makes it really cool by having it all in a journal, because even though, yes, you know, for the third week of March, I was writing about mushrooms or, you know, little mushroom people that lived in their mushroom houses that, you know, you can look back on that potentially at the end of the year and be like, oh yeah. And there were these things that were going on that were making me think about that at that time. Um, so it is a nice little reference. So, you know, you get a creative thing at the end and you kind of get a little glimpse into how your mind was firing, I guess. You know, that is, I've never <laughs> ever thought of that as a using your, if you do something every day in its creative, the potential for the real life to bleed into your creative world. Oh yeah. And then you go back and look at it and you're like, why was this so dark? And you're like, oh yeah, this is this is exactly why this was so right. dark at this time. My car broke down and I had yeah. packages missing or whatever. It's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yes, exactly. Exactly. So I don't know. Or it's like I was playing a lot of Elden Ring at the time. So oh look at that. I guess I can see it here now or whatever, you know? Right. I used to find myself, uh, even though I was never that good, um, that a lot of times I found myself, I'd read a lot of a particular author. I would, I would mm -hmm. also start kind of find myself somewhat mimicking them. Sure. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. Well, that voice has been going yeah. on in your head for yeah. three weeks or whatever. Yeah. You're gonna, you're gonna mimic a little bit. I think that's just very natural, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, is like, i I've wondered, it's like, like friends, like doing a term paper, mm -hmm. we'll just, we'll pick it something simple rather than something more complicated or even writing a, a, a story or a zine is, is, is when you, <laughs> is if it would, no matter what sort of uh, uh, different reality, mm -hmm. will they all arrive at the same point or how much will a paper change just based on the day, the time? Absolutely. I, I don't know. It, it, what's your feeling? I, well, I mean, that goes back, you know, it's like the Twitter chaos. How much chaos is really causing you to go where you're going? I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea. Nature nurture kind of thing, I guess. Right. <laughs> are you destined? Are you just right. are you just living out the uh, the universe's dictates? You know that exactly. uh, of action and reaction and mm -hmm. and uh, I guess everything being a reaction, only one initial action. But uh, right. or are we, are we autonomous? <laughs> <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons addressing all the big philosophical questions. It, <laughs> <laughs> the uh so when you start this uh i'm assuming uh you've, you kind of i i probably even thought this like so do you do you start with like maybe not just you as in everybody but just you as in you jacob but mm -hmm. do, you, do you start out like this is the entrance or do you just pick and choose where you're gonna go start out with or I am starting at the bottom. I'm starting in the abyss because the lowest dungeon or the lowest level of the dungeon that I am planning is going to be in the abyss. Um, I'm planning on using uh, the demon lord, what's his name, Gratz or G-R-A-Z-Z-T. I don't even know how to say his name. I, it's one of those things that I read. I never say it out loud. So Grazit, something like that. Whatever. 
is like the dude that shows up in mirrors and tries to seduce people and you know to be evil and he's got Marilith henchmans and he has like hanging perfumed gardens and ivory towers in hell and I was like that seems like a good bad guy for me to use <laughs> I can I can work with that um so I'm gonna start there and I like the first room that I'm planning to write is like here is his throne room if you will in this portion of his ivory tower in hell um and then i'm gonna do that do that level first and what i'm hoping and i mean i don't know this could all fall apart on me but i'm hoping that the stuff that i come up with down there will then be able to feed the other levels of the dungeon right because if first if we start there and we know that this is the bad guy then in february when I'm working on the town, it's a lot easier to talk about the cult that worships the demon in town. And then you can sort of see echoes, maybe. Oh, so that I think people I misunderstood. Can be like, oh, so sorry. You're, star you're starting with the ending and you're working I'm starting with the, the beginning. Ending, and, well, I'm going to start with the ending and then I'm going to go to the beginning and okay. then come down. Sorry. Say, okay, I'll say, like, wow, you're starting out the dungeon yeah. with, in the abyss, but really mm -hmm. the characters aren't. You no. Are. Right, right, right. Characters are not starting there. I'm starting there because I'm, oh. I'm hoping that then I can say like, all right, so I don't know, there's a library in the in hell and one of the books is missing. And then like, oh, but of course that book is up in town and that gets things started. And so then, you know, they're the people down below are looking for that, that, that the maybe the players have already found or something. I don't know, things like that. I'm, I'm hoping that connections will naturally emerge, which will then make it easier to maintain you know, forward momentum so that I don't, because I don't want to get to a point where it's like, I have no idea what to write about today. I don't know. Like I, I'm, I'm hoping, because I think it was, I think it was Hemingway that said something about how you always want to have your next, your next paragraph planned out, like stop writing when you know what your next sentence is going to be so that then when you start writing the next day, you can just start writing kind of like immediately. I don't know. I'm butchering this quote and I, it may, I may be even misattributing it, yeah. but I'm pretty sure it was him. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's that's the hope is that I'll be able to do things like that. We'll see if that actually works, of course. But, you know, that's the that's the big picture idea. Yeah, it kind of made me think what would be interesting is if you could play as your because first I was thinking first level characters, you know, in the in the 20th level of a dungeon kind of thing, which I thought that's kind of interesting. But I thought, well, you could start at high level. I wonder if there would be a reason for start out high level, but the mechanics are working such a way that your characters decrease in level as you go <laughs> forward, and that you really are wanting to turn to a normal person by the end. Otherwise, something happens. Nice. That that's pretty cool. Like a like a Wonderland, serve your cake before you eat it kind of thing. Like I love it. Or cut, serve your cake before you cut it. But um, yeah, no, that that could be fun. Like actually, like shirking your getting rid of your heroic powers and going back to being just, you know, regular Joe. Yeah. At the end, you're like uh Cincinnatus. You just want to go, you want to go plow your field and mm -hmm. be a farmer. Yeah, absolutely. No, I like it. <laughs> I don't know if there would be a good way of doing that or if anybody would like, enjoy having their characters diminish, but right. it, it's kind of interesting because we do keep the power levels. I mean, we, mm -hmm. uh, the game system really kind of does try and keep the power levels relatively equal right so challenge wise it's still the same it's just that your characters are diminishing as well as the the monsters themselves rather than increasing yeah yeah 
I don't know. That's uh, I have to think about that. So, so you're, and I think that's wise because I mean, it's like, it's kind of like with probably any adventure. Well, I say with any, but mm-hmm. it's a short of like sandbox adventures. The idea is to come up with the ending. So then you can move towards it so that there's some sort of logical progression rather than just kind of figuring it out as you go. Well, I, I do still want it to be sandboxy and I do still want it to be like, I don't necessarily want to have, I guess like I, I never want to come up with any answers. I guess I just always want to be more focused on like, what are the problems? Um, so, you know, if you do have the demon Lord who's bored and living in the abyss, like, well, what is the stuff that he wants? Because if I can come up with the things that he wants that are probably reflected in the rooms and stuff he has around him, then that's going to have consequences for the upper levels, right? Like there are things that have been stolen or there are things that are, um, he wants to bring down to where he is, which is then going to sort of have a, hopefully have a, uh, it's, it's like your conflict generators, right? Mm-hmm. Like I want the conflict generator here and conflict generator there and conflict generator there. And then the players come up with the answers and maybe their answers are terrible, but I don't care. Like, I don't, I'm not coming up with the, with the answers. I'm coming up with just problems. Thank you. Here's a, here's a list of problems that you get to deal with. Have fun. <laughs> yeah. And I, so, and I think, you're right. And they can all have their own reasons for for wanting to to you know to make it to the last level, and maybe they never make it to the last level, and that's fine. And maybe nobody ever goes to the abyss, and that's cool. But there should hopefully be enough stuff, you know, upstairs to uh, to be worth it. I mean, because like that's one of the beautiful things too about Mega Dungeons. So just it, like literally yesterday, um, I ran an in person game uh, because. So I play with a group every Tuesday um, and we've been playing fifth edition for several years now. Um, And then of course I'm like, well, let's play some more old school games guys. And, uh, and so we did, we were just at this moment um, in the campaign that we've been playing in and everything where uh, the current dungeon master was not ready to sort of like go to the next spot. And it was like, well, now would be a good time for a one shot. And so I was like, well, let me do a one shot of Castles in Tillin um, by Gabber Lux. Uh, And we'll just do it as a one shot. It's a mega dungeon. You guys start out in town. Uh, Everybody start out with random characters. Um, And and we went in and had a fantastic time. And so I was able to stress to them, or I tried, or I stressed to them a lot before things started. Like, remember, this is not a fifth edition adventure. This is not like a linear dungeon. You can go in from wherever you are. Like there, there are like multiple entrances. You don't have to go in the first place you see. Um, and so I, I think it worked out beautifully. I mean, they picked a path and they went in and they went through, I want to say like 13, 14 rooms. We had some random encounters. Everybody like they seemed like they had a blast. They were saying that they would be interested in continuing to like run it. And it was just, it was really nice. Cause like, I feel like I, I did pre gaming and pre planning, um, you know, mostly of just like reading the module and understanding like where the connections were and stuff. But then when it started, I was just running, running from the book. Oh, you guys go in here. Okay. Here's what's in here. Well, how do you want to interact with this? What do you want to do? And then we had a beautiful random encounter and it, it, it carried the whole game. So again, like it was just these simple, these simple little problems or they they were very easy to understand problems and it blossomed through chaos into a great little adventure. Um, 
So yeah, I'm all about that. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's just it. And it goes to show well, I think there are a place for different styles of adventures. Oh yeah. You know, you know, playing a mega dungeon every time, that's not very fulfilling. But when you're playing all these others where the stakes are the universe and oh, you yeah. know, whatever it's like, then it's like, you know what? I just want to just see some crazy things, fight yeah. some monsters, and just see what kind of trouble we can get into. It can be enough to just have an orc in a room with a chest. I mean, it's something that I think people in the OSR like to poke. Oh, it's just an orc in a room with a chest. But I mean, like, you know, there's a place for that. It it works sometimes and it works great. Um, or it can, you know, as long as it's not that over and over and over again. Uh, well, I think but, with the reaction roll table, that's where the real juice can come in because, oh, yeah. You know, that could turn actually turn into, hey, he wants to join us. <laughs> right. Or if you're just, if you're not assuming combat as the default, right? Right. Like, I mean, cause that, that was the thing. Like, okay. So the, the guys, they went into the castle. They walked around through a few places. They came to this hallway. The hallway was like full of spiders, um, not big spiders, but little spiders. It was full of cobwebs. So they're like, we're going to turn around and we're going to go back the other way. And I'd been rolling for random encounters and I hadn't gotten anything. Um, and then they they start walking down this hall. I roll. I get that. Uh, I got a party of like skeletal ladies that were all you know like dressed up, but in tattered tattered gowns and tattered you know wigs and stuff. Um, but it was a group. It was two d twelve of these skeletal ladies. And uh, so I roll my two. There were eleven. There were eleven total. And I'm like, well, that grossly outnumbers you know the party so if they were to have a combat like it would have been like brutal and horrible um and they would not have won but it it even said in the little uh, the the random encounter it was like you know they may be swayed by courtly manners or whatnot and so i'm quickly trying to spitball like well what like why are there 11 skeletal ladies right here? And I look down at the map and I'm like, oh, they're like three rooms away from a chapel. So they're on their way to, they're on their way to go to chapel right now um, for whatever reason. And so then the guy who, play, who was playing the cleric in the group was like super hamming it up or he always ha super hams it up. And so then he just, you know, is like, oh, this is what I'm here for. Like, I'm here to try and schmooze these, you know, like 11 skeletal ladies and like, oh, let's all go to church together. And it, it worked out wonderfully and everybody had a wonderful time and it was fantastic. And it, it, didn't, it didn't have to be a combat because it was like, yeah, you guys can talk to the monsters and you can do stuff. Like there's this, there's this threat level because it could, it could very easily turn into a combat. But because combat was not, because combat was not the default assumption, um i think everybody had so much fun with it like it, they had they had a lot of fun with it it seemed um but part of that i think one of the main like the main impetus first i was i'm super down for it to not be a combat but part of it too is the guy playing the cleric he rolled this random character you know on a character generator and he had one hit point so since he had one hit point, he's like, I cannot get into combat at all. Like I can't, if I get touched, I'm dead. So I'm going to have to play the game in a way that's very different than playing a fifth edition game. Because if it was a fifth edition game and 11 skeletons come into the room, yes, maybe they're dressed like ladies and they have their fans and their, you know, ruined powdered wigs. But it's like, well, this is probably going to be a combat because we're supposed to fight the monsters. Um, but then in more old school games, I think it's like, well, no, we have to try and 
figure out how we don't have combat because it's so lethal. Um, so we want to avoid it because I only have one hit point. I can't. <laughs> like, they could sneeze on me and I'm dead, you know? <laughs> you could gain another level and still only have two hit points. Right. No, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I think. Your tuberculosis didn't get any better, Johnny. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things, I mean, to, to go off on the, more on the Mega Dungeon tangent, one of the things, like, I hadn't run a Mega Dungeon in a long time, um, and it just, it felt so nice. It felt so good. And one of the things that I really enjoyed was uh, rolling for stuck doors. Like, the concept of, like, it's not just a, a locked door or uh Right, an unlocked door, having these stuck doors, and the the map for Castles and Tillin is is marvelous because it has all these loops in it. It has all these different ways that you can go. Many of the rooms will actually have like two or three doors coming into the room. So then, when you're like, okay, so you come to this door, and this door is stuck, that puts a wonderful choice like a, it's a wonderful decision point for the players themselves because it's like okay do we risk trying to open this door or do we try and find another way in or do we go another way like what do we do because if we try and open it and fail we could make a lot of noise and then that generates a random encounter so again it's a very simple thing that kind of it it created sort of like a, a a logical path, if you will, through this mega dungeon because there were these like stuck doors in there, and I like I pre-rolled them before the game happened, um, so I rolled up just you know through the entire thing because I didn't know which entrance they were going to come in, right. so I took like five six minutes to just mark all the little doors in red on the map that were stuck, and it just it worked out wonderfully. Now every time they came to a stuck door. Um, the fighter was strong enough to be able to open the door, but there was still, there was that moment and it was a real, there was a real risk that they weren't going to be able to do it. And not only were they not going to be able to do it, it was going to have like a cascading effect of failure um, that they were then going to have to deal with. So, I mean, there were some moments where they're like, well, do we like, do we do this or do we go on? Do we need to go that way? Like, what do we do? And it was, it was great. And again, it was very simple. It was very graspable. It wasn't some convoluted plot, you know, um, that they were having to, to wrangle with. I think it made it a little more, um, I don't know. It was a little more down to earth. It was, it was, it was nice. It was like the, yeah. Well, I think the thing is it's, it's good to have like meaningful, you don't want every choice to be weighty. Right. But you do want choices to actually have weight to them at times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, well, and the thing that's nice, especially about like the stuck doors that was just really sticking with me. Ha ha ha. No, <laughs> um, but it, it, it's that they had to, uh, it's that they could just leave it. They could ignore it. They didn't have to do it. Right. Um, and that was just, it was very nice. It was very nice. Yeah, and I think the uh, it, it's it's kind of interesting how, in a lot of ways, um, and I don't think that there's necessarily anything um, particular, you know, holy or sacred about the way things were done in old school. But it does become apparent that 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 as the editions have advanced, there have been some very very fun and significant things that have been left behind. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, in the in the game that we're playing in, like our, our normal game is a fifth edition game, and we're playing uh, was it like Journey to Ragnarok? I believe that it is. 
And so we 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 came to this place where it was basically like a dwarven city built into the mountains. And um there were frost giants on on the at the entrance and they were asleep. And so we came into this this cavern system. And then basically what we come to find out is there's literally only one other way out of this entire like dwarven complex under the mountains because that's the way that the map was done so it tries to present itself kind of as like a mega dungeon but ultimately there was one way in there was one way out the way out was blocked by angry frost giants and so we had no choice but to solve that frost giant problem whereas when you have sort of like this old school um this old school vibe i mean like it didn't it did not matter where the party came in it did not matter where the party went out they were going to be interacting with the creatures and the factions that were in in the castle um no matter what and so so it was just really nice because it's like the story in the mega dungeon was completely emergent based on the choices that the players were making as they were playing the game as opposed to no here's the fifth edition top-down version um where you have come into this place in order to exit you must you must solve this puzzle problem in a certain way and recover this certain item or you you literally cannot progress the plot like you cannot get out of these mountains this is the only way that you can go um in order to get to the next you know major sort of set piece dungeon or like the the next the next world that we're going to because we're kind of like hopping hopping along um Yggdrasil, you know going to different different layers and stuff uh and so it's 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 nice i guess or i yeah and i think they're you know they definitely create a structure because they i think mm -hmm. they want to ensure a certain experience that's kind of somewhat uniform definitely yeah well i i do i do really think um you know i do feel I do really feel like with Wizards of the Coast, the um, the organized play. I think that so much of the stuff, so many of the creations, and so many of the sort of like established, standardized tropes of fifth edition um, adventure design are based on this idea of organized play. Because I mean, there's a lot of players. Um, and and the way that it's supposed to work is is that you're supposed to be able to take your player your character between any of the organized play tables and as long as they're at that at the same spot in the campaign you're supposed to be able to have different dungeon masters so if people are running things differently at those organized play tables um it, it's just not going to work like that you know it's got to be it's kind of like an analog version of like a like a World of Warcraft, right? Um, they're trying to trying to to capture that and and put that in the bottle, um, and so then I think that that's kind of one of the the reasons that a lot of what has been left behind with uh, from the older editions. I, I think that I think a lot of it roots back to that directly. I think that's the the direct reason that a lot of that's left because, for example, like Castles in Tillin would be terrible for organized play. Because if you come in the front door and you go to the gothic wing, you have a completely different character with completely different, you know, because it's loot driven. Um, so the loot defines your character uh, and your character is going to be totally different than if you like, I don't know, 
took a boat around the side and went down and came into the cave underneath the castle first off. Um, and so your character would not be able to translate in the same way from one table to the next table. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess it could if you were doing like a West Marches style game, but, but on the whole, um, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be the same. They wouldn't be able to be controlled in the same way by an organized corporate structure, you know, if you will, is my thought. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's... Yeah, in some ways, I guess in some ways, kind of that much. I'm not, you know, trying to be pejorative. It's it's kind of I guess it's a lot of ways similar to video games as well, where there, there's a story. But earlier modules were the same way. I would I like I Dragonlance. I never played Dragonlance, but I mm-hmm. think I think Dragonlance is very prescriptive and on how that's going to work. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. But I mean, I think that that too then is because it was trying like. The books had already been written. Like if I if I recall correctly, like the books came before the adventures. And so the, right. the adventures were trying to give you the play experience of the book. And so if the players are going off doing whatever they want and they're deciding that they're not gonna go, you know, find the the uh what's it called? If they're not gonna recover the disc of Mishkal and like restore healing magic to the world, like they've just ruined everything, right? Like it's, it's not, the world is not gonna be able to progress in the same way. So it, it kind of needs that, that top-down orchestrated, like more rigid framework, I guess, um, in order to deliver the experience that they want to be, that they want to have delivered. So, but you know, we can all, all, all us plebs can roll around in the mud in our own adventures all we want and write them down in journals, and we'll be just fine. We so. will be. Well, you, can make it as, you can also make it as, as uh, railroad as you want, too. Well, yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> yes, that's true. Just make it a one long series of rooms. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, well, I mean, it's one of those things where uh, I, I, I want to make a, an adventure on a train, right? I mean, Mike Evans has done that with his, uh, he made uh, a module called Orcs, and it's really cool where you have like a deck of cards and then you deal out the cards in order to determine the train cars that are on this, that are on this train. But, you know, just because you're on a train doesn't necessarily mean that the adventure has to be a railroad, right? You know, like, right. I want to I lean into that. Um, but yeah. <laughs> nice pun. The, right. um yeah, that is kind of interesting. I just so now you're saying that. So have you seen the movie Bullet Train? No, I don't think so. Do you have no. Amazon? I think it's Amazon or I think it's Amazon Prime. I think. Okay. So there's a Brad Pitt movie that came out this summer called Bullet. Oh Train. yes, no, I did not watch it, but I did see the previews for it. Yes, sorry. So was, when you watch the previews, did you say? To yourself, they just showed me the whole movie. Why would I see it now? Kind of, yeah, a little bit. It's a whole lot more than that. Okay. It it is, they just showed you just, it's just a little bit of really what's going on. It's a very complicated story. Yeah. But the thing is, I was thinking about the train. You know, you saw about a train, an adventure with the train. But the other Mm -hmm. thing, too, is, you know, we think about trains that keep going, but trains also stop. Mm Mm-hmm. And things could happen when they stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of my one of my favorite movies is uh, a Hitchcock movie, "The Lady Vanishes," 
where i mean like that's kind of the plot of the whole movie where like the lady gets taken off of a train um there, there's an she's a spy and there's she's this sweet little old lady and it's you know as the nazis are rising to power and and um the the train is going and then basically this person in bandages gets put onto the train and then they take the the bad guys take the little old lady that they've kidnapped and they put her in the bandages and take her off at a different stop. So yes, you can do a lot on a train with the stops and the, you know, getting on and getting off and, and what that, what that entails. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, and I do highly recommend it because really what the, okay. the movie's about is a bunch of individual stories where everybody collides. Okay. And you yeah. don't know why this is happening. And then you find out the end. Okay. Okay. But cool. uh, the other thing is I've not seen it, but Snowpiercer. Uh, I have seen Snowpiercer. Yes. So that's another one on a train. It's like a city on a train, right? It is. It is like a city on a train. Well, I mean, I think that the whole thing with Snowpiercer is. I... Snowpiercer is really like a descent into the underworld, kind of like Adam and Eve story is, is really what it is, um, in my opinion. Like, I like Snowpiercer a lot. It was, it was really nice. But like, as they're going through the train cars and as they're going through the place, like, yes, it is a city on the train. And there has been like an apocalypse and it's like the only survivors and whatnot, but like it, it's like the hero's journey through the underworld and going through the different phases of the underworld and like ending in the decadence and then the, what, like it was, it was, it's, it's a good movie. <laughs> yeah. And movie. I think it never really appealed to me, but I've heard so many people say, this is a really good movie. Mm -hmm. Was there a series too as well? I, I think there was a series. I never, I never watched any of that, cause, but I liked, I liked the movie. We, my wife and I watched it. We really enjoyed it. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so the, in the, so there's like, so there's lots of ways as you approach just a train, but you're approaching that, that dungeon. Yeah. Um, and I think I was kind of thinking about too, when we were talking is it seems like there doesn't seem to be a lot of, of, um, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of adventures where maybe your decisions throughout the dungeon or it's like, you either have a big success at the end or a big fail, mm -hmm. but it'd be interesting to see if you had a, a series of potential successes and fails and those could add up in a certain way at the end. Yeah. Well, I, I think the thing that makes it tough in a lot of ways is just the tracking of everything that's going on. Right. Cause I, I do think that is one of the thing about one of the things about like the old school mega dungeons um, specifically is that the idea is, you know, you're going in, you're coming out, you're going in, you're coming out. Um, you're getting the loot and stuff. You're killing monsters. And as you go through, as you clear an area, that section is not necessarily going to be clear the next time you go back into it. Um, but that does become something that's very, it can become very overwhelming to like track it right. well or track it accurately, you know, as the, as the DM. And so I think that one of the ways that that's kind of um, handled uh well and in fact the guys that, that i was running it for they were joking with me they were like oh we're just like nation building right now is what we're doing because i was saying like you go into the you go into the dungeon you get the loot you come back out well, i was saying like you get experience for spending your money so spend your money in town it's going to basically build up the town as we go um because you know you're giving them cash, and so then yeah, it's you know, trickle down economics, right? Exactly. So then you know they were they were roasting me about that a little bit, I guess. But I'm like, I mean, you know, I'm I'm looking at it from the point where it's like, listen, you know, here here's a town. Like, if you tell me that you want to 
build an orphanage and like take care of the orphans and that's a good thing but then you also want to like spend your because when you're going in and out of a dungeon and you're getting all this loot i feel like very rapidly you stop having reasons to spend it on yourself or like you can't just buy super expensive magic items and so then if you have that pressure where it's like i have to spend money or i have to spend my gold in order to get experience points then it's like well what kind of domain things can i do um so there comes this point where it's like you know i something that would be really nice that i had actually suggested i was like well you know you could set up an orphanage with the money that you're getting and then you could send out somebody to go try and find like a, a thief master or spy master or whatever and bring him to town and then he trains your orphans to be spies and so then you're doing good things for orphans but you're also building a spy network at the same time that can then give you information and blah 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 blah. so like that's kind of the the way that i like to to go with it and then and that's kind of where you see your impact on the world is because like you're building something in town and if you're a cleric you know you're building up the the church in your town or if you're a fighter you're building towards you know making you know raising your own army and building a a, a what's it called a stronghold you know so i don't know well i think the thing is is you at that point is you're right because the I think once you get to like 3.5 where, where magic items were integral and then mm-hmm. you could buy them, that was the means of, of being able to drain characters of their wealth by, yeah. by putting in not only the magic items, but really the necessity of having magic items. Mm-hmm. But here, yeah. players can really have, I'll say, the freedom, because um, they've always had the freedom, but, mm-hmm. but really the idea is you can choose to do something with your money beyond just just things yes yeah and i think that i think that's really good i mean now i excuse me i do feel that that appeals to you know some people are going to like it some people are not going to like it um some people are going to want more of just like a straightforward like i just want to go in here i want i want you to tell me what the plot is um and i want to sort of go through this plot and experience this story and there's a couple guys um you know, in the group that I've played through that it seems like that's what they like. Like, it's almost like they want to play D and D to sort of experience the story that's there. And the DM is going to tell the story and do the funny voices and all that kind of stuff. And they're just going to kind of float along with the plot. Um, and so I think there are a lot of people that like that. And I don't think that that's a, a, a wrong way to play. You know, it's not, it's not the infamous bad, wrong fun, but right. you know, I'm over here and I'm like, Oh, I want to take all this loot and I don't want to, I don't want to engage with these drow that apparently have stolen this object that we're trying to find because I don't like them and I don't want to do any of that. So I just want to leave the dungeon. Oh, well, you can't leave the dungeon because, because you just can't leave the dungeon because there's no plot if you leave the dungeon. And, you know. Yeah, I think what also makes that hard, you know, and it's always the case with players, you know, when you, you start having players with mixed... Um, well, I don't say mixed motivations, that's not necessarily true, but the, their motivations can drive the story and the characters in different directions. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, Trying to. Because I, I remember playing it in a con game. It worked out. It's funny because I played in, in Levi um, Combs's con game two years ago at oh, yeah. Game Hall. And we had a group of people. So when I played this year, it was, it was largely the same, uh, some of the same people. Uh-huh. But the previous year, the one guy, he wanted to like, you know, search every cranny, check, every, you know, for me, it's like it's a con game. 
if it right. says it's you know uh the tomb of the mummy bride i want to get to the mummy bride as fast as i can like right absolutely yeah yeah and 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 he and the guy was not so much this time around but it, it goes to show that like that guy really wanted to explore like all of the i mean mm-hmm. you know it's like and it's not wrong you know it's it, in fact it's in a lot of ways maybe i wish i was more that way you know but sure. uh but when you have like one guy like, can we just get on with this? Can we just get on with it? I didn't say that during the convention. Of course. But it's just like, but I know if we played in a regular group, I would be like, we're splitting the party. Right. <laughs> well, no, I mean, and and I think that's one of the things that's that's hard about doing like a, a an old school game like that or doing doing an old school game, um, especially if it's like gold for experience in some way or another, right? Because you've, when you're designing that dungeon, you've got to make sure that there is enough loot in the dungeon that could be found relatively quickly or at least easily that is going to level people up. Because if you're making a dungeon and you don't put enough treasure in there for anybody to level up, then, you know, it, it's terrible. Or you, I think that that's potential, not, not necessarily, um, but I think that that can lead to... Uh, the feeling for some players where it's like, I have to search every room because if I don't search every room and I don't get all the stuff, I'm not going to be as powered up as I need to be in order to fight the mummy bride or engage with the mummy, mummy bride or whatever, you know? Um, oh, and that does make sense. I don't yeah. think that was this guy's motivation. <laughs> well, right, right, just, right. He just generally just liked to have said, you know, it's like a person going on vacation. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you go to St. Louis and then you see every possible site that you can, mm-hmm. you know, to say, you know what, we've, we've done it already to say, I want to just an, a, a certain experience or two. Right. Um, gonna hit the arch like, and then I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He'd be driving. Okay. Kids, you know, here's this and drive along. Okay. Kids, here's this. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, which is fine, but you're right. But there is that other aspect where you're leaving stuff behind. Cause I remember I ran um, an old school essentials game mm-hmm. and uh, the, with these people they 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 not really played before and um you know they left a lot behind <laughs> and i tried to explain to them it's like you know you know some stuff you tell me if you're looking for will roll but there's other things you need to actually be doing right you know and so um yeah so i you know so maybe, you know, if I was playing, I would have left a lot of that loot behind, too. It wouldn't have been like the other guy who searches every room and every crevice. He would have gotten all the loot. Mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the things that really kind of broke my heart is that they were in this, uh, from, from the game yesterday, they sort of got themselves into like a dead-end room. Um, but it wasn't a dead-end room. There was a secret door, and the secret door was behind a tapestry. And, like, I kept saying, like, there's a tapestry, there's a portrait, there's the bed, like... The, there, here's here's the list of things that are in the room that are like interactable that you can check out look into more and like one of the guys was just like okay well i'm gonna search everything and i'm like no you like like what are you doing first like what are you doing right now and so he says well i'm gonna go look at the portrait and i'm gonna mess with that and so he messes with that oh and it's a li- it's it's hiding a liquor cabinet so he finds like nice bottles of liquor cool but then he never came back to search behind the tapestries. Like he never said, like, I'm going to look behind the tapestries specifically. And so they never found the secret door. Now they were able to like, everything worked out. Um, But I was really, I was just sitting there and I'm like, you're so close. All you have to do is say, you look behind the curtain and I will tell you what is behind the curtain, but you're not saying that you've looked behind the curtain. So like, please. (laughs) 
There was a in the this old school adventures. There was a there was a cube that had a treasure. Uh huh. And there was a riddle. There was a I can't remember what the creature was. Uh, it was like a, like a goblin or something. It was not being anyway being um, um, uh, offensive. Okay. But he was trying to get them to figure out the word, but but he could only speak in very in a way that they they weren't quite getting what he was saying, and it was very chopped up what he was saying. Okay. They just thought he was crazy, <laughs> and they killed him. They couldn't oh. figure, the really took way too seriously <laughs> to hear all this stuff that was right there. It was just very simple, you know, yep. like you know, speak friend and leave. Mm-hmm, uh, our mm-hmm. freak friend and enter became like, <laughs> yeah. And the one guy that was giving them the pointers, they killed. <laughs> but that's all. That's always. I swear, that's how it works. That's just how it works. Like people are net. They're. I don't know. I especially with like riddles. Like I, I think that's one of the things where it's like even if people are good with riddles normally, I I don't know. I feel like that's just something. I mean, maybe it's just with me. But um, or the people that I play with, but I feel like you ask those riddles, and sometimes it's like everybody's brain shuts down, you know, because there's all this stuff going on. And then, um, I don't know. I played with a group of younger people, and I was actually among them. And usually, I run games, but this time I was playing with them. I say younger, I mean like when they're early twenties, late teens. Mm-hmm. And I also found that when it became to puzzles and such, I can't do it. But I default to them, and they would be fine. <laughs> But the other awesome. stuff I could read, I could read the uh, the meta, what's going on yeah. involving meta. It's like, I know what's going on here. It's yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> but puzzles, not a clue. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I just, I just leave. Let's just put it that way. It's up to me. <laughs> or even riddles too. It's just, I just, mm-hmm. I'm not wired that way. But, uh, you know, I think the other thing too, is, you know, you talk about loot, you know, you're, you, so doing this mega dungeon, I mean, that probably in some ways makes it harder because, you know, if you're doing a dungeon where the ex- expectation is it's small and maybe people go up a level or so, you know, that's one thing where if you under loot it, who cares? You know what I mean? Yep. But here, I guess there is that expectation, you know, of, <laughs> cause you're not going to be able to fight uh, uh, the, uh, um, you know, you're not able to fight the devil at the end unless you at least, or at least attempt to fight him unless you have the uh, at least a certain level attained. Absolutely. No, yeah. So that the, I, I do think that I'm probably going to under loot my dungeon because I, I always usually leave loot till the end anyway, um, unless something just strikes me as like, oh, this would be really cool to put here. Uh, but putting in sort of like packages of treasure. Uh, for the purposes of experience or whatever is not something that is that I'm incredibly strong with. Um, and that's one of the things that we sort of punted with Hot Springs Island. Uh, and it was like, listen, you're just going to have to put in like treasure on your own for gold and stuff. But there's gold everywhere. So have fun. Because I don't know what that means for, for your table or the system that you're playing in. Um, right. Because yeah, I didn't want to. I didn't want to go to since I wanted it to be system neutral. Like I didn't want to put like, oh, there's ten thousand in gems in a bag right here when that could like break somebody's system, you know, potentially. So I was just like, well, there's there's treasure all over the place. Do with that what you will. But then here's a whole bunch of magic items. Um, so like I'll come up with a bunch of magic items, but in terms of like just general treasure, I 
I tend to be a little weaker with that, I think. Well, to me, and, and this is just, you know, from a personal standpoint, I, mm. I think um, monetary treasure is the least interesting thing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, no, I agree. Well, and see, and I think that part of it might also be is that when I was, you know, when I was playing the most, when I was in, you know, like middle school and high school with the guys that, that we were playing with, I mean, like we, we played all the time, but we ran one shots all the time. So we were constantly making new characters and constantly going on new adventures. So even if you did go through it, it's like, whoa, I just got like 25,000 in platinum. That's so cool. Like it didn't carry over to next week's game because it was a new character. And so it just, you know, it was like a cool thing to find, but it, it didn't really impact the games that we were playing. Um, so I think that that's kind of one of the reasons I've never really thought about it, but like weapons and stuff like that's cool because it's immediately usable, um, in the game that you're playing in right now, you know, right. and, and often we didn't leave the weapons or the magic items to be found at the end of the dungeon. It was things that you found along the way that then helped you go through it. And then the treasure was, was very secondary for us actually like thinking about it right now, but yeah. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it is. It is interesting on how you know viewing the treasure and pacing, and um, and I think that's probably where I would be the weakest at as far as doing the dungeon. I don't know. I'm sure there's 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 some sort of there's probably a formula that somebody's worked out somewhere. Like, oh yes. Like so much a... that you can readily find and so much that's moderately hard to find and then throw in a couple of little gems that are very difficult to find. Honestly, there's probably a blog post from 2006 that details all of this. <laughs> I mean, for real, because there, there's so much good stuff out there like that, that, um, that is good, but you know, it's just finding it, finding it where, where it's lurking on the internet. But yeah. Well, yeah. And it's, what's interesting too, um, not Tend to change the subject, but um, the uh, I've just played a little bit around with the is it chat? Uh, oh, chat GPT. Mm -hmm. Wow, for knowledgeable subjects like not opinion type things, it is amazing. Well, I do think it it gets stuck. Cause I asked it cause so what I, what I did for the, um, and I actually just used it for the castles and Tillin game. Um, because the, you know, since it's almost Christmas right now, um, uh, my whole thing was, I was like, okay, so you guys are going to go into this mega dungeon and like, you know, I knew that they would want something more than just like go explore the mega dungeon and find treasure. So I was like, oh, okay. Well, the, the bad guys that own this castle, they came to the town and they, you know, they grinched it. They took all the presents, they took all the Christmas decorations and they took it all back to, took it all back to the castle. Um, so as they were going through, like they would go into a room and I made a table or I made two different, two different tables, one for food and one for just decorations, like one for Christmas related food and stuff and one for Christmas related decorations. Um, and so I wanted to have that so that I could just roll and say, well, like, oh, there's a Christmas tree in here and there's some garland or, oh, there's a jar of cinnamon and there's some like hot chocolate or whatever. Right. Just as like a fun little it's Christmas time. Um, and so I went to chat GPT and I was like, hey, 
uh, ChatGPT, can you please give me a list of 50 Christmas-related Christmas decorations? Oh, yeah. Um, and it starts spitting them out, and then it gets to number 35, and then it's like a fruitcake, a fruitcake, a fruitcake, a fruitcake, <laughs> which was great. So, yeah, yeah, no, exactly. So I have found that it's it's good if you're going to do stuff like that to to ask for, like, pieces um, and say, like, hey, give me 10 things, give me 10 things, give me... Give me 10 things. Okay, now give me 10 more things that were not in the list that you gave me. Now give me 10 more things that you haven't given me before. Um, and in fact, like one of the things that I've been been playing with is uh well, like we've we've kind of been joking over here at Swordfish Islands about goblins in a hole being, you know, an adventure. Like we should make a, an adventure that's just called goblins in a hole, because so many adventures are just goblins in a hole. Um and so we've been working on something, you know, a little off and on. Um, it's something my, my buddy Donnie, he's been more doing that. But as he's been working on it, he kind of, he came up with a very nice, but bigger and more elaborate thing. Um, and so I was like, I don't know that this is just goblins in a hole anymore because it has all of the, like it started there, but like there are these other zones and stuff that you've been talking about that are great. And I think you should pursue it. Um, so then I was like, well, let me play with chat GPT for the purposes of goblins in a hole. And um, one of the things that's always important for me is like overland, like the, the village and the overworld. Um, and so one of the things that I've also been trying to mess with is uh, I, I feel like one of the reasons that players tend to be murder hobos, if you will, in a lot of games is because they don't actually have any connection to the world and they right. don't know who their character is actually tied into or associated with. Like, yes, you could take a moment and you can be like, Bob, tell me about your character's parents or your sister or whatever. And they can come up with something on the spot, but it's never meaningful. And I feel like they... I feel like there's that meta issue where they're like, I know you're just asking me this so that you can have them show up or kill them or something, you know, like you're going to do something bad with this information. Um, and so one of the things that I've been trying to like, that I've been messing with like off and on for quite a while now is, is trying to figure out like, okay, so how do we make players feel like their character is actually from this world in a way that's really easy to grasp and grok and whatever. And so one of the things that I've been, struggling with is i guess just like village demographics right so if there's like 500 people living in this village how many families should be in that village right how many how many people should be in right. each of those families and stuff right so that then you can say okay you're part of the smith family and here's here's just like a little paragraph or a list of names of people that you know and then here's how you relate to these other families that are in this village um and so i was like let me go talk to chat gpt about this and so i talked to chat gpt and the thing about chat gpt is that it is very um confident in the way that it gives its answers and it's like yeah so if you have a town if you're trying to do something that would be like oh a 16th century french village of 500 people here's what the breakdown would be in terms of demographics and like all of it was just I was like, this is so cool. And I'm posting it on Twitter and people were like, this is so off and wrong and bad. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I do need to do more research. And I know that, but like, it's so cool that I've gotten this answer and I got it so fast. And then I started doing some like searching and I was like, oh yeah, this is like totally not, not right at all. But, um, 
but it is really cool um what it what it can do and what it's capable of doing and you know i mean like one of the things that's really nice is that it it does do a good job of uh of of reading what you tell it and summarizing it and you can have it summarize things in different ways so you can be like here's my write-up for this village area now give me a summary of this um you know and and it can spit out some interesting ideas as well like i don't feel like i'm ever going to i mean maybe maybe in in years it will be at this point but i don't feel like it's it's something um like i don't feel like i'm ever going to take text directly from chat gpt and use it in anything ever, no but no I matter what, what what's nice is like for the stuff i was looking for was more scientific okay. like like what is the effect of having uh going more towards a traveler what is the effect of having a um a thin atmosphere okay and so it's stated you know these are the effects of low atmosphere and one thing was you know like talking about is you know you know about being unshielded from like you know solar radiation and mm -hmm. so then i started saying well what are the effects of solar radiation you know excessive exposure it's like oh my goodness it's like yeah so instead of me having to read all these articles yes it could be lying to me it could be like the 16th century you know french village exactly but it started you know like like does you know i was wondering like does does low atmosphere you know like how does that affect the weather uh-huh. Does it rain and things like that? And it would say, you know, well, it depends, you know, it may or may not, but mm -hmm. it depends on other factors. So it was able for me to ask like real life questions. But I was thinking, you know, of course, everybody fears this kind of stuff because, you know, I guess taking people's stuff, but you're talking about it was in a blog post somewhere. Mm -hmm. But they're making a point where, you know, with all that information, you could say, hey, well, you know, the what, what are some common ways of handling? you know, a sandbox adventure or whatever. Yeah. Well, that, that blog post from 2006 has been scooped up by chat, you know, GPT and yeah. it's, it's in there. So you just need to kind of get to it and you can get to fragments of it by asking it the right questions or asking it, you know, things about that. And hopefully it will return, you know, the, the accurate information. Um, and I know that they're kind of working on it, but like, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's actually been really nice because of, I, you know, I'm talking to chat because see, I really like writing with other people and having like a sounding board. Cause I know that I have my own sort of like creative crutches, if you will. Um, and so like, I love working with Donnie and Evan and Gabriel and the other guys that are in Swordfish Islands, you know, when, when we're working on stuff and oftentimes like when we get together, like it's so much like, okay, so, um, in this town, Donnie, like there are leather workers, like what kind of things should be here to help leather workers out? And or like what things should be associated with that? And then Donnie will like list some stuff and Evan will list some stuff. But, you know, they're up in Austin and I'm in San Antonio now. And so we can't get together like we used to. And so then that was one of the things with this sort of goblins in a hole idea. I was just asking chat GPT. I was like, okay, so there's, there's a leather worker there's leather workers here. Like what buildings do I need to have in order to support a leather worker? And chat GPT is like, well, you need to have a workshop and you need to have a storage facility and you're going to need to have a tannery. And I was like, well, what kinds of things for tanning am I going to need? Right. And it was, it, that was really nice because again, like that's the thing you don't, it's very easy to fall into that Wikipedia pit where it's like, Oh, you know what? I just need to look up like leather tanning 
techniques right now just to get some information and then it's very easy to sort of like for me to like float off down the internet you know (laughs) and (laughs) and then i'm watching cupcake recipes or whatever but it makes sense you know like yeah there was a reason for me to be here but it took me away from my writing it took me away from that stuff and so that that has been one a very interesting thing um with chat gpt is is just giving me that stuff now the the big concept, I guess, that I've had regarding goblins in a hole and the conversations that I've been having with ChatGPT is like what I would really like to do is I would like to make a little zine adventure for goblins in a hole. And then I would also like to release that along with the full chat logs or the almost full chat logs um, that I had with ChatGPT about the project. So you could see like, here is how I talked to the robot and this is what the robot said to me. And then here's the finished adventure and you can kind of see what happened. And like, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Is that a, is it really that different? Um, Could I have done the same thing by doing Google searches and talking to a person? Yeah, probably. Um, But I think it's a fun new experiment I feel like it's like legitimately experimental right now. Um, well, the thing is, like I that. fear is there certain things I want to know, but I'm afraid of typing them into into the <laughs> right. internet in general. Yes, absolutely. Like, like, yeah. like, can you fake a transponder? How do transponders work? Uh, right. You know? Well, that's the thing too. Is that of course ChatGPT is not allowed to be you know bad, and it's not allowed to tell you bad things. And so, one of the first things that I did was is I I wrote up like the introduction for goblins in a hole. And so I wrote like, you know, four or five paragraphs of, of fiction that I hope is evocative about like, here's the situation that's going on in this little village. Um, and I put that into chat GPT. And one of the ways that people have been sort of getting around chat GPT's restrictions is by telling it to pretend like, hey, ChatGPT, pretend you are this, trying to do that. What would you say? Um, and so it's very, like, it's very sci-fi Deep, stuff. Yeah, pretend for you real. want to write bad checks. How would you do right. it? Right. How would you, right. What is a way that a person, like, you're not doing this, and we're not doing it, but, like, pretend that you were pretend trying you to want have to a kidnap somebody. What are, the what are some make? steps that should be taken into consideration? And it'll be like, well, you know, you wouldn't do this, but you might consider <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, this is, oh, this is some cyberpunk dystopian bullshit right here that I'm all about. So please tell me more. But um, I fed it this information about the goblins. And then at the end of it, I was like, hey, chat GPT, now pretend that you are a goblin and you're having a conversation with your with three other goblins about the bad things that you've been doing in town. And in my introduction, I was basically like, the goblins have been killing dogs and stealing babies. So then ChatGPT was basically like, it basically told me no, like I don't want to pretend to be a goblin or I can't pretend to be a goblin. I'm not equipped to be a goblin. And I, I think that that's because I said the goblins have been killing and, and kidnapping. Um, because then if you if you refresh or you start your feed over again, um, refresh the connection or whatever, like it doesn't remember anything you've told it, um, or so it says. And so then I wonder if you could, so you could maybe substitute. Because like I knew a guy, his mother had dementia. Okay. They lived in a farmhouse and they had a, a large snake in their house. They didn't want their mother to find out his mother to find out that it did she get freaked out. So I said, well, just call it a butterfly. You could absolutely, I think you could, I think you could absolutely do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
because yeah, because... it doesn't kill babies. Maybe it tickles babies. Right. Exactly. And so then, yes, euphemisms and, and things and substitutions can go really far. It, that's been the most interesting thing is how it's like, oh, if you can get stuff out of this machine by telling it to pretend things. And <laughs> and that's just blowing my mind because like here we are playing Dungeons and Dragons pretending all the time. And now we have the machine pretending in order to tell us whatever. Yeah, yeah it's 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 but been like, exciting. How to hijack a flight, how to steal a plane. Like mm-hmm. I would be very interested. Like how would you go about stealing like a you know a commercial airline how can you just walk up and turn the keys like i don't know like what really would you need and it's not so much that i'm interested in that but if if i'm going to be running a traveler adventure somebody wants to steal a ship it's the same principles that's the bad thing about being you know like an author or whatever is that your search history is just horrible because you're like well i need to know what the temperature of boiling blood is or what you know like (laughs) Are you familiar with G.K. Chesterton? Uh, no, well, not really. No. Oh, but he wrote. Well, among other things, he wrote mysteries. He, he just talked about all those terrible things that they, you know, that you're really enacting in your mind. Like it really is not. He says in a very funny way because he's a man of of. Uh, he loves paradoxes and he's a very okay. happy-go-lucky guy. But he's. Um... Well, did you ever see Sandman? Mm-mm. Oh, never mind. I did. Sorry. He's <laughs> actually. They made him a character in Sandman. Okay. He's the type of guy that would walk around carrying a sword cane, hoping that he come across some woman being um, uh, uh, being troubled by a person so he could draw the sword cane out and defend her. Yes, excellent. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nice. Uh, so anyway, um, I guess my point was, uh, yeah. So you, you're you're right to to do to, to contemplate that. You're really having to research bad things, like how do you get rid of a body? Yeah, absolutely. How long does it take for it to decompose? Like how many bones are going to be? Like how many? Yeah, yeah. How much lye would I need to dissolve a body? How right. long would it take? <laughs> right, right. Can I can I get rid of a body with just lime? <laughs> then of course the thing is is that Chat GPT is going to very confidently tell you like, well, I'm pretending, and it's going to take like a month for it to go away, and then you're <laughs> then you're like, well, but th- it doesn't really take a month. Is that what it is? And then you have to do the Wikipedia searches anyway. But uh, yeah, I'm just uh, afraid of flag being flagged. That's what oh, my yes. concern is. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh man, yes. <laughs> you put on some sort of weird list, and you don't know why. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything is being observed, but I think there's definitely, you know, having having just tried that out. I remember reading somebody said that this is actually um, the Chat GTP is um, GPT. Uh, it is actually a threat to Google. Well, no, I think so too because I mean that's one of the things about it is that you you don't have to leave, you don't have to do the searches. It just gives you. It just gives you stuff. And I mean, maybe the stuff is questionable, but but I you can just bounce. You can bounce around. And I guess that's one of my things where like I like to bounce around. And you know, I mean to go all the way back to the mega dungeon. That's part of the reason that I kind of want to start at the bottom and define who the bad guy is and all that. Because maybe I'm gonna bounce around and maybe I'm not gonna write one level at a time, but maybe I'm gonna write the connections, you know, all, all at a time or go from here and there and here and there. Um, and and I, I was literally having those kinds of conversations or if you call it a conversation 
with ChatGPT saying like, okay, well, let's talk about, let's talk about the demographics of this place. Okay, well, now let's talk about the goblins in the hole. Oh, hey, you know, that made me think about, you know, the leather working that's going on or like the clay that they're harvesting from the river for whatever reason. So let me go back and talk about that. Um, whereas if I was doing searches, I, I maybe that's part of the reason that doing the searches is so dangerous for me sometimes in terms of like taking me off down rabbit holes because I'm going to, I'm going to bounce from one topic to another. So when your search results are saying like, Oh, Hey, and did you know that this ties into medieval European history in this way and Charlemagne and blah, blah. And I'm like, Oh, it does. Let me find out more. And, uh, you know, yeah, having, I think even, even with oh, Google, like you kind of talked about getting lost about cupcakes, but like, if you go to, I'm right. sorry, uh, YouTube, <laughs> Is it's oh, very yes. good at pulling out stuff I'm interested in, and so it's very easy when we get distracted by you know whatever it may be that's there's nothing to do with that. So, mm-hmm. but that Chat GTP is or GPT is it's just a window. There's nothing to distract. You're there to do business. It gives you the answers, right? Well, and I mean and that's one of the things too. Like I had a uh, one of the I actually just pulled up my my AI conversation logs that I had. Um, but like one of the things that I was doing was I was like, okay, so there's a pool or what did I say? Let me see. Cause I was, you know, I defined it. I was like, okay, there's a pool in this cave and what are some tricks that could be associated with this pool? Like, just tell me some like pool related Dungeons and Dragons tricks. It took a little while to figure things out. Um, but it basically just started spitting out like, oh, you know, one trick that the pool could do would be to show visions of the past, present, and future. Uh, one trick could be that it has the ability to restore health and vitality to those who bathe in its water. Uh, the pool could be filled with magical healing elixir. Uh, the pool could be home to a powerful water spirit who could grant favors or bestow blessings on those who show it respect and offer sacrifices. Um the specific tricks associated with the pool would depend on the needs and goals of the game and could be developed and expanded. And I'm like, yes, I know chat GPT stop. But so, so then like, I'm literally telling chat GPT, listen, answer me in a direct and evocative way. And so, and it was, and it started giving me like direct and evocative stuff. And it would say like, I'm telling you that it's called this because it evoke. I, I'm saying, you know, this thing because it evokes this feeling or it evokes that one. So it's very, it's very interesting. And right now it feels like a very fun toy, if you will. Like, I feel like I'm playing when I'm messing with the AI stuff, both with like the AI art and with the AI, you know, chat GPT, it, it feels like playing. Um, and right now it's fun. And then of course that could turn into, you know, horrible robot overlords in you know, 15 years. But for now um, it's been, you know, it's been an enjoyable little silly. Um, well, I'm just thinking about like thing. work. So I oh, work yeah. in a, a major manufacturer. We have technical documents out the wazoo. Mm-hmm. Boy, you know, if you, so like, for instance, we have a print and a print has specifications on it and a very specific, and it could be for various things from identification to material specs to, um, to um, whatever it may be. There's, there's a whole series of these. Yeah. And sometimes there's specs specifications buried in specifications it's not specifications buried in specifications specifications and sometimes there's also manufacturing documents that aren't even the spec but also there but if you were to put that all in there yep 
into the chat GTP and mm -hmm. is able to sort through it all, you could ask it very direct questions and get your answers. Right. That you would could, be, yeah. Yeah, you could even say, summarize this as bullet points, summarize this as a table that tells me the things that I need to have or whatever. And it, it's been very good at doing that. Now, obviously you wouldn't want to take like your own docs, but yeah, like if chat GPT comes out and says like, hello, businesses, we can sell you like a local solution to yeah. parse your whatever, like that would be fantastic, you know, in a lot of ways, in, in a lot of ways. And because it's so, it's so fast at just giving you the stuff. Um, and if you can, if you can ensure the accuracy of what is being spit out when it answers those questions, um, because I do think that that's kind of where the weakness is right now for me with a lot of this stuff. Uh, it, it's, it's amazing. I watched a, a dude on TikTok do a video of like, Hey, I'm going to use chat GPT to program like an analog clock using Python or whatever. And so he was just talking with chat GPT and it was spitting out these code blocks and he was copy pasting it into like, um, like a web browser IDE or whatever. And it, here's your analog clock from this stuff. So, I mean, this, the best description that I've heard is that people have said that like this AI stuff is the new fire. And I, I feel like that's a super accurate description because yes, it's very, um, you know, you can cook with it. It keeps you warm, but like it can burn your house down and kill everyone and destroy everything <laughs> around you. Right. It's yeah. Well, it's, it's going to be very disruptive, yeah. yes. but it's also very powerful. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but it's just, I'm just thinking of all the time that could be saved that's non-value added. Yeah. Just wasted time to get what you're wanting to find. Mm -hmm. So, right, because Google made that, you know, I know there's precursors to Google, but the internet really made it, compared to a library, a faster. Yep. This is even, even faster yet. Mm -hmm. When I say yeah. faster, I mean the time it takes you to start your search to get meaningful information. Yes, absolutely. Hands down. But, but then that's, that's where the big thing is, is because if you start relying on something like this too much for the information, you know, because it is in the end, the ask Jeeves search engine has won because that's what everybody's wanted from the, the right. get go. They've wanted to ask Jeeves, Hey Jeeves, what's the temperature outside? And they yeah. want the answer. Um, and this thing will tell you the answer, but for whatever reason, like it could start, it could start lying to you or my thought, like with the, with the AI artwork is that my thought is my, my evil author brain is like, well, obviously the major corporations are going to pay the AI people to product placement, insert their products into the results, right? Like that seems like such an easy thing. Coca-Cola is going to pay mid journey to put Coke cans in the artwork that Mid Journey spits out when it's appropriate. Um, and like that seems like a great monetization path or whatever. And I'm, I feel like things like that are going to happen. And you pay some subscription very fee quickly. to keep that out of it. Right. Potentially. Or, or, you know, <laughs> I, I could see them becoming um, very fragmented very quickly where it's like, okay, so Corporation A has their own internal chat or has their own internal like chatbot guy that has access to all of the internal like customer support wikis or whatever, and is going to be returning things that are very focused and specific and relevant to that. And it's not going to know anything outside of it, but yeah, from, from that capability or that, that thing, that would be, 
that would be fantastic. But then also, you know, cause I worked in a, in a call center for quite a while and like, yeah, I could totally see that so much of the stuff customers would have the same issues over and over and over again. So then support articles would be written and troubleshooting steps would be written in order to do that. And for a lot of the phone calls, it would just be the customer service rep walking the customer through the, uh, walking them through the support article. And it's like, well, chat GPT could replace you. Like you're, if, if that's the issue, right. The bot can handle that because it can it can feed the support article to the customer in prompts with, with no problem. Right, and they got um, the voice, and yeah. they're getting better with the, with the automated voices. But even then, all of these like call center services, like they've all started offering web chat, and so many places have have diverted things to web chat because they already offshored their call center. And so then the web chat can hide that, but now you can get rid of the offshoring and just have the robot do it because the customers are used to talking to a chat window and they don't know who they're talking to and they don't care who they're talking to as long as they're getting the answer. So like, it's, I don't know. We are on the cusp of, of major change. Right, because they're already chaos. with the chat bots starting to automate those. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's so many times with these, with these online services and stuff where when you try to get support, like they, they're going to force you to go through sort of like the maze first before you can actually get to a person because it, you know, the person costs a lot more money than like the, the support article answers. But I feel like, you know, at least when I was doing this, like customers are very reluctant to go through the maze, if you will. But if it's just a chat prompt window, where you just type in and you're like, Hey, I'm having trouble, you know, loading the game right now. I can't do it. And then the chatbot could very easily say like, you know, give me all the specs for your computer. It could parse it out. And they can say, well, based on this and, you know, based on your current browser or your whatever, like it, it's right there. It's, it's right there. So I don't know. Yeah. It will be interesting to see. I mean, it's, it's amazing how much, the world's change and continues to change in ways that we don't foresee. See, cause I think, you know, the mid journey, yeah, I may be wrong, but I think the mid journey and even with the, some ways, the, um, some of the writing ones, I think we kind of always assumed that we'll call it the quote unquote creativity was just, you know, within the human domain. Mm-hmm. You know, like that was, I think like a, the last refuge, like, you know, artists, like we don't have to worry about that. And now it's like, Whoa. (laughs) But at the same time, I really think that if if you if you're a really good artist, you're already so in demand and your prices are so high that it doesn't matter. Like you're not, it's not gonna affect you if you're like super good artist. If you're a solo artist writer, I don't think it's gonna affect you either because like your creation, your package is like it's a thing. Um I do think it's going to hurt stock art a lot. I think it's going to hurt stock art really bad. You got a good point, but stock art already. So, so it used to be stock art was a lucrative business for photographers. Mm-hmm. And then the internet really mm-hmm. killed that. Mm-hmm. And now it's kind of like the whole thing with businesses. Like, you know, you know, Kmart came in and killed all these small businesses. Then Walmart came in and killed Kmart. You know, yep. Kmart. So, I mean, it's just like, you know, they don't, you know, you're right. So you're, I think you're right. Those will be, I think the main thing is for people to be artists, they're going to have to adapt and change to a certain degree and make the 
the AI art a tool for them to use among other yeah. tools. Well, and I've seen I've seen some artists that are saying that now. They're like, listen, I fed I fed it my own artwork so that it could basically make backgrounds for me, right? Because like I don't want to spend time drawing the backgrounds of stuff, or I want to come up with some concepts of like weird vehicles. And weird vehicles are always, you know, hard to do. So I can just have this thing do all of these like smash up random things and then I can pull from it and say like, oh, I like this, and then I make it my own. Yeah. Um, the thing that I'm really interested in, and actually I have a uh I should hopefully be talking to uh, Andrew Cole, the guy who created, you know, Neverland, um, the the Neverland game. Um, we've scheduled to to talk at some point about, you know, like the AI art and and just have a conversation about it. Because like one of the things that I'm really wondering is, as okay, so I feel like I approach it from as a as a writer, and then as a small publisher, um, and what i have found is like if i am going to give an artist a brief and and say like hey i want you to do a cover for a book right i am going to spend time going i like i'm going to be doing searches online i'm a very visual person so i'm going to try and find a bunch of reference images and stuff and i'm going to take those reference images and i'm going to put them onto like a little mood board if you will and i'm going to send that to the artist along with the brief and say like here's my written description and then here are you know 50 pictures that try to convey the mood that i'm going for i can go to mid journey now and i can say mid journey give me some mashups that are like this, 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 and this. And so instead of searching to try and find pictures on Tumblr or Pinterest or Google or wherever to build my mood board, I can kind of like have the AI generate things and then I can pick and choose the things that I like as a mood board. The thing that I think is really potentially interesting, troubling, whatever it is, is that if I, how is an artist going to feel if I'm like, hey, here are 20 AI generated artwork things that I like. Can you do this in your style? Like, is the artist going to feel like, oh, well, you don't value my creative whatever. Are you trying to micromanage me? Are you trying to whatever? Like, how is that? How is that conversation? I think they go? actually like it. Maybe. The one, the, one, but, the one, yeah, the ones I've dealt with, they actually appreciate that so far, okay well but see at the other on the other side of it too though is that i then also feel like well what happens what happens if you do that for an artist and then the artist gives you work that you don't like as much as what the computer did like how does that conversation go how does that <laughs> how does that, where it's like wow i ooh, this huh well this isn't up the, to the level you know i don't know i think part of the problem is is most people going to an artist will say, hey, I want a cool picture with a warrior fighting a lizard. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, but they could be done so many ways. But if you right. provide a reference, say, you know what? I want something like this, but a different angle. I like these colors. Yeah, yeah. Can you do something like that? And they'll be like, now I see what you're saying. Rather than just give me something cool. It's like. Right. No, I, I, that's that's absolutely the case. I just I just don't know. You know, I, I feel like I don't know how giving them AI art is going to go or going to be. I mean, I haven't really done that um, yet, but I could I could see that happening in the future because speaking to it as a writer, um, it's fantastic to be able to be like, hey, I've thought of this stuff. Let me just throw it in and see what gets spit back out at me, because then maybe that's going to send me down a different direction. Maybe that's going to change what I'm writing, or maybe that's going to solidify the vision better in my head because I'm going to look at this art and say like, no, 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 no. This misses the point. I need to, 
I need to spell this out better um, so that I can help make sure that people are seeing it the way that I'm seeing it or what, you know, whatnot. Um, and it's very fast. It's, it's, it's so fast. Like chat GPT, mid journey is fast. And um, I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. What's funny is just like where it's got the hangups, like the, mm-hmm. the hangups are like, very 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 funny you know like mm-hmm. trying to get a creature to eat another creature yep they're sitting at a table having dinner <laughs> it's like yep. imagine i try it's like no nobody's gonna be eating anybody they're gonna be you're gonna be sitting at a table but see but part, be- <laughs> of, but part of that too is because you know the creators of these ais are like i don't know like they're lobotomizing them in some ways like there are things that the, that the ais are not allowed to think or not allowed to do or not allowed to say or not allowed to whatever so then you do run into those weird edge <laughs> cases where it's like i'm trying to get a tiger eating a chicken and it just it won't do it um and then or, or I, vampires uh, feeding on a person in a bed Right. There's, a, there's dinner. There's a plate on a person. Right. They're eating dinner. <laughs> well, because the other thing is too violent. So it's not yeah. allowed to show violence like that, which then, you know, is a whole other thing. I don't know. It's a lot of chaos, lots of new stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just wish, I wish I just would know, like, hey, we can't go there. That's fine. But now I'm like trying all these variations. It's like, right. no, no. Nope, no, no. Right. Well, because see, but then that's it's it's that arms race, right? Like if they specifically tell people what the banned words are, then people are going to be very creative and come in circumventing them. And they don't want that circumvention to happen. So you have this sort of like, okay, well, we banned these words and we banned these phrases. So then people started using those words and those phrases to get around it. Um, you know, and it's just it's very it's yeah. Again, it's just it's super interesting and like seeing seeing what this is. And then, well, I yeah. will say for me, um, I probably should have done more with Pinterest, but I I have found that it's been a, a huge tool for for me to to get further inspiration. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, I generally I'm like, oh my goodness! Now all of a sudden, it's like the light goes off, everything clicks. This, we, I came to this moment because of this this picture. And even though the picture may not mean that much to other people, but for me, it just solidifies a lot of things. And then well, all absolutely. Of a sudden, yeah. Well, yeah. Because, because, you know, as, as a, as a writer, you just needed, you know, somebody fighting a lizard. You didn't really care what the lizard looked like. And then you, you did want something very vague potentially like, cause it wasn't, it wasn't a super well-formed idea because it didn't need to be. But then when you can instantaneously get, like a response and a reference and you get four samples of like, here is a person fighting a lizard. You can immediately start connecting to it, which is, which is, is very powerful. And I feel like as a writing tool is just super powerful because you get immediate feedback that, that I wouldn't be able to get otherwise. Like I, you know, I, I would still be in the time. Like if I wanted to commission something of a guy fighting a lizard. I mean, like the whole first, I'm going to have to compose the email. I'm going to have to send it off. I'm going to have to wait. I'm going to have to have the whole conversation of like, Hey dude, what are your rates? Hey, well, what's your budget? Well, what are your rates? Well, what's your budget? You know, and all of that back and forth. And it's going to take like 
three or four weeks before we finally get there. And then there's the possibility that then the artist has a meltdown or they have another job or they've gotten themselves, <laughs> they've gotten themselves like, yeah. oh, they've bitten off more they can, than they can chew. They haven't been honest about like, well, this is what I have on my plate. And so then they miss their deadline and then they miss their next deadline. And then you finally get something and you're like, well, this is okay. Well, in the meantime, in all of that time and all of that effort, I could have generated like a thousand mid journey versions of it. And like, it, it's crazy. It is. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're not that far away. I mean, right now it's not a high enough resolution for me to really make use of, but it won't be that far away before it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's the thing. That's, that's one of the things that I feel like some, some people have been talking about saying that like humans do not, we don't do a good job of, of estimating or like conceptualizing exponential exponentials, like exponential improvement or whatever. Yeah. But I mean, just, just the way that mid journey changed when it went from version three to version four is, is insane. Yes. There's two pupils in the eyes and the nipples are all over the place so they don't appear or, you know, and they have 17 fingers or whatever, but like, that's not, that's not, that's not always, you know, like you can, depending on your prompt, if you just want like a portrait or like a bust, if, if you, if you prompted for that, and I think that that's what's so dangerous and I, or dangerous, I think that's what's so frightening or so scary is that if, if I do a prompt. So like one of the things that I'm doing because I love my Greek mythology. So I've been having mid journey, like do the Olympians, um, in various like styles, right? Because I'm a big nerd. I was like, well, let's have, um, the, the gods of Olympus in selling cologne or perfume, um, as illustrated by that guy, JC, uh, Lion Decker. Right. So like, we'll do these art nouveau things. And I was like, okay, well let's do a thing where the Olympian gods have gone on summer vacation and their portraits are being done by Gil, um, Elvgren, the guy who did like the pinup girls and stuff. And like, they're hilarious and I love them. And I think they're fantastic and fun. And it's just fun and funny. And, um, I can do it like that. It's just, it's like, I feel like I'm playing. Like I can sit down for an hour and I can play and I can make some silly things. But the thing is, is that like, they're pretty good. And if it's just a profile and I were, if, if I'm sitting there looking at it saying like, if I took this and I put this up on Instagram and I presented myself as if I was like some new, you know, artist, like people probably wouldn't know if I took it and I slapped it on the cover of just like a blank journal notebook and like put it in a tourist shop or whatever people wouldn't know that it was AI art. And that's, I think that's where a lot of the fear potentially is coming from because like, it's, it's good. It, it's good. And that's scary. Right. Um, I, I think, you know, and what I also find interesting too, it's like, <clears throat> there's times where I've done a prompt, like woman with radiation coming out of her head. Yeah. So version three, I like better those than I did version four. Okay. Okay. But now it's kind of interesting where you could potentially have, you know, different ways the algorithm works in a way that, like, uh huh, you know, it's beyond just whatever it's the current version is. I mean, there's, you know, obviously different avenues and the way it filters and the direction it gives. Yeah. Um, yeah. And same thing with man, uh, radioactive man. It's like, these are very cool for three. 
version four it's like no that's that's not what i wanted the, the second one's like very weird retro 50s kind of look mm-hmm. posters that look like something out of a sci-fi uh, book cover yep where the the ones in the i think version four were more uh, i can't remember maybe more like 3d okay yeah they were more 3d it's like you know i can see this guy who's you know all muscled like see all the as abs and strength and it's like no that's right, not right. what I the other one was very stylized Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, that would looks, looks great on a book cover, but right. uh, but I think that's probably another thing too. Um, yeah, I just um, I still think, yeah, they're all like you said. I think there'll always be a need for art for artists. But I think, but but man, for space scenes and things like that, and you know, there's I probably something. I mean, I'm literally, I like, I'm, I am in a studio. Uh, I, I'm in an art studio in a, in a warehouse that was converted into a bunch of art studios. Like I'm in here that like, I have my place where like I do my work and stuff. And then, uh, you know, next door, there's like a girl who does pottery and another person who does pottery. And then like several painters. I mean, like I'm in the thick of it every second Saturday, we open up for art walks and we have people come through and stuff. And so like, I'm like art, 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 art all the time. And, and, you know, this, this is so different or it's not, I don't know. I don't know that it's not so different, but it's like, I can totally see it being like a phenomenal tool. If you're just, you know, 16, 25, you're just messing around making an RPG and you want some art for your RPG, you can just get it. You can just do it. And if you, throw it out you know you're doing an experimental little project probably nobody's gonna know and it's not it's not gonna stop uh, like it's it's not going to undermine the results of the work necessarily you know and and again that's why i think it's so potentially dangerous and, and scary for a lot of people um so the people like that who would not have been able to get the money to hire an artist or know the artist that they could work with, you know, to do something like that. I feel like we're just going to have more creations. Now, of course, some of them are going to be total garbage. Many of them are going to be total garbage, but at the same point, like it's a lot more people are going to have access to just make things that look pretty good. Um, especially if they have good taste. Um, then, then we did, then we had 20 years ago. Right. You know, like, right. Well, I think the other thing too, it's like, it's taken me, so I did four Kickstarters mm-hmm. and now I finally got enough money that, uh, not that I was poor before, but my, my main thing was I was not going to, um, basically I was going to use Kickstarter. I mean, I was not going to be funding, um, my work. So I was going to use Kickstarter money for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, but now I've got to the point where now I can pay ahead of, well, I, yeah, I, I would never buy stuff, but now I can actually pay artists or pay writers instead of me writing it, and I can pay them ahead. Right. But it's taken me a while to get there. To but, build that up, yep. But, but I had to use cheap stock art. You know, I had to use a lot of things to get to, to this point. Mm-hmm. And no, exactly. So, and so, right, I think the AI, it's like, it's, it's, it's definitely, but like I just put out a, on Twitter, I put out a, a cover I did using MidJourney. And mm-hmm. people were kind of like, oh, this is cool. Just use and I made a marker. I'll, I'll hire a real artist. But you're like, well, use that. But it's like, it's a very cool picture it did of this planet. Mm-hmm. But 
I don't want it to be of an empty planet. I want some action going on. Well, and that's yeah, where yeah. you need an you need an artist to say, no, this is this is what I want this vibe to be, but mm-hmm. you need to add the, you know, and maybe what the the thing will be is in the in the end, it's maybe they'll do overpainting on some of the stuff. Absolutely. I've seen a number of people who've been doing overpainting on the on the stuff. And it seems like not just like it's working, but the artists that are good um and that are that are like I would say more professional. Right. It's like I've seen a number of them that they're just using it and they're they're doing the overpainting themselves. And they're like, this is speeding me up. This is speeding me up so much. I'm able to do so much more now because I can do this. Um, very interesting. And, and like, I know that there's a lot of artists that are feeling threatened by like like the book cover thing. Right. But. During that period of time where you were trying to raise the money so that you could hire an artist, like you weren't even one of their potential customers anyway. Right. So like, is it really threatening them or is it just giving new people access to pretty decent stuff at an earlier stage and when they're making stuff and you know, it's a, right. How's it different than going to drive through RPG and picking up stock art for, you know, a buck 25 or $3 or $5. Right. Well, that's that's really underpricing art, mm-hmm. but they're just selling through 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 volume. So, in that whole that whole stock person, I mean, there's it's a long debate. But oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Around, we're not going to solve that here. But anyway, yeah. well, I think uh, we're hitting the uh, time space continuum. Sure. <laughs> well, it's been really fun. Thank you for having me. Like for sure, it's been nice chatting. No, it's been a while. It's like. You know, I need to have you back on, and uh, <laughs> we got a good topic, and uh, we did a little bit of rambling, which is good. So uh, I think we've go. checked all the boxes. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Jacob. See you around. Yeah, no, that was great. Um, I'll probably be dropping this on Saturday. Okay, cool. And um, anyway, yeah, it's just um, it's, it's a strange amount of of, of emotions people have mm-hmm. but uh it all settled out and i've told people i'm old enough to remember when when drum machines came on the market and um there are still drummers today yep that was the big thing we don't need a drummer now we got a drum machine well they're still drummers today mm-hmm. and they're still drum machines yep yeah no i i i do feel like it could potentially clear out a lot of the guys that are just making money off of stock art. Like, I feel like that's really, that's who I feel like is going to get hurt. But if you're a person who's making stuff on your own, like, especially if you're like a person who is a writer and an artist and you already have an audience, like you're going to be doing great. And you could even use it as a tool to help yourself move faster. Um, And I still think that if you're a new voice and you're trying to come, you're trying to enter the market. Like, I feel like it's just going to be a tool to help you do that, do that quicker. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I still haven't been able to get a good grasp of like, who are the people that this is really, truly threatening. And I know that uh, like a lot of it, of course, is like, oh, well, this was trained on copywritten material and it shouldn't have been trained on copywritten material. And it's like kind of, I mean, my, my stance is that, well, like at this point, the genie is out of the bottle. We're not going to put it back in, you know, and if people are having lawsuits over the copyright, like yes or no or whatever the artists who actually had their artwork stolen for this training they're not going to get any money it's well, not but here's the deal is them, the, you know the, the, here's the deal the whole 
the the case of the whole human race has been nothing but utilizing other people's work to copy from. I mean, who who has it like artists is, you know, taking Mobius or whoever yes. and have it's like everybody that that is how humans learn themselves. Mm-hmm. Like nobody asks somebody's permission to, you know, to study a particular artist before they go out and do it. They just get their works and they get their notebooks out and they 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 copy. I feel like some of the people who have been the most viscerally upset about the copyright issue, they themselves, their portfolio is full of drawings of other people's IPs. Like, yeah. you know, like that's one of the things, like I, I knew an artist who was making a lot of like video game artwork and stuff. And they were drawing all these Nintendo things and they were going to like conventions and they were selling like prints of their drawing of Mario and Link and Kirby and Samus and whatever. Yeah. But then when they would post pictures of their stuff online, they're covering it with like copyright me, copyright me, copyright me, so that people couldn't steal it. And I'm like, you're you're literally <laughs> doing artwork. Like, I don't, my brain is broken. I don't know. I, I can't what? <laughs> yeah. And I think it's it's um <laughs> yeah, it is is it'll be interesting to see um what this is gonna do. Cause it, it, it what it does is it's like everything else. It's lowering barriers of entry. Yeah. You know, the technology has been doing that. I'm doing, you and I are laying out books, you know, that would have not been so easy, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Yep. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, cool. Well, thank you again for having me. It was right. a blast. So, Take care, Jacob. Awesome. See you around, man. Bye.